Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. Welcome to week 11 of Startup Struggles, everyone. And today, a lot of our conversation is centered around a book that Sean has been reading called Loving What Is. Who is it by? Byron Katie. The subtitle is Four Questions That Can Change Your Life. Yeah. And the reason why we're talking about this book is because both of us have realized that one of the hard parts of why we struggle is that we actually are not accepting our reality. Yeah. And one of the things that loving what is goes over and the four questions is to help you realize and accept where you are now and then what you can do about it. Yeah. I feel like for a lot of people, including ourselves, not even just not accepting reality, but sometimes we actively try to fight reality. And that's just ridiculous. You can't fight what is. So we'll just jump right into our conversation in our week. We actually wanted to start off the podcast with a quick little shout out to one of our listeners, Kathy. She's been pretty consistent listening to us every week for the past 10 weeks now and gave us some pretty good feedback. So Kathy, thank you so much for always tuning in. Your support is truly appreciated. And speaking along that vine, there was also, we got our first random listener reaching out on Instagram to one of us saying thank you for what you're doing and that it's been really helpful. and. That's exactly the reason why we're doing this is we want to make sure that our struggles become public so that other people could follow along and learn from our lessons. So thank you, random listener on Instagram. We appreciate your support as well. Yeah, thank you very much. Going back to Kathy, though, I actually want to share some of her feedback, if she doesn't mind, publicly, just so that we can also solicit for more feedback yeah. from other listeners. One of them is she said, you know, she would like to hear more background on who we are, where we came from, and how we met, have more structure in terms of consistency week over week. That's something actually we did hear that feedback early on from some other people as well. Although we feel like it's a challenge a little bit, but we'd love to hear people's thoughts on how, or ideas on how we can structure this podcast. Part of the magic between James and I is just that we we'll have this idea around, all right, you talk about your biggest struggles or I'll talk about my biggest struggles and we'll just see where the conversation goes from there. But I also think it is helpful to have some structure. And maybe how it goes is as we continue producing this, we have an episode every week that is a more structured conversation. And then we have an episode where it's freeform, where we just Hmm. banter and we talk. So that's one idea. And I had that idea because last night, I don't know why I woke up at like midnight and I couldn't go back to sleep. And I messaged James at two o'clock in the morning to give feedback. Were you awake? I saw it at like four. Oh, okay. Which is one of Kathy's other feedback on how she enjoyed the core value series and how we should finish that series. And I thought that's a great idea, except I don't think we can fit it into this weekly catch up because... Mm -hmm. I think every week there'll just be something new that pops up, something new and shiny in terms of struggles that we'll want to talk about. So we could do that as a mini series just to really finish that out. Cause I would love to finish that out with you, the vision traction organizer mini series. I think it would be really helpful because 
a lot of times, even at work, you're not really sure how to do that kind of stuff. And then to do it for your personal life, it's probably more impactful. That's like an exercise that I don't think people really do. I mean, I've never done it. And I think it really gives a lot of direction and intent on how to live your life with purpose that you define. Yeah. Would love to continue to hear feedback from 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 <laughs> I love to continue to hear feedback from our listeners. We really appreciate it. Definitely. So yeah, let's just dive into this past week. We've been struggling with anything lately the past week. I know always struggling with something, but anything big? This week and maybe the last couple months, what's been really difficult has been a feeling of being dissatisfied with my day-to-day. And it kind of comes back to this like whole productivity thing. I feel like I'm not doing enough, but that's not true for me. Like I feel like I am doing a lot, but maybe what causes the dissatisfaction is that, I don't know what exactly I'm trying to say. I'm just having a really hard time feeling satisfied with my day and feeling that my life is going towards a direction that I am intentionally going towards. All right, I spent a few hours yesterday actually trying to sum up what I've been feeling. I think it's just a mix of dissatisfaction, feeling really empty. Like I feel very empty at the end of the day. And I know that a lot of people hate hearing this, but I kind of like loathe myself. I'm beginning to like hate myself again. (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird. I feel like it stems because of this whole depression thing and negative thinking that's been embedded into my subconscious for so long. And now I'm trying to get out of this cycle, but it just repeats and it's like seasonal. It's really strange because I was reading journal entries from exactly a year ago. And what I wrote in this morning's entry, yesterday's entry for the last couple of weeks is almost exactly the same as a year ago. It's so weird. It starts off with, I woke up super late today. I'm feeling empty. I don't know where I'm headed. What am I doing? And these are the themes that kind of keep coming up. And I don't know if it's because I continue to tell myself that I'm lost, that I don't know what I'm doing. And because of that, it feeds like a cycle in your head that that's just what you believe. And so everything that you do leads to the same feeling of this is why you're lost. This is why you don't know what you're doing. And I know that it's like all about actions, right? You take small steps every single day towards someone that you are becoming or you're focused on these like values that we've defined about ourselves, being intentional on where we want to go. But behind the scenes, for me, it's a lot of you're never going to get there. Or even if you get there, it's just not going to be satisfying. Hmm. And so I lose a lot of sleep over this. The last month kind of summed up in like three minutes. That's great. I say that's great (laughs) because it's great to be talking about this. You know, I face something very similar. So clearly it has nothing to do with how much you get done or how much you want to get done or how much you think you need to get done. I struggle with this as well. Like I woke up this morning, I'm like, what am I going to do this week? What am I supposed to do? Last week didn't feel like I got enough done. Even though if I think hard about it, it was a pretty good week. My business partner, Servi, was in town from Monday through Thursday. We actually got a lot done in person, like day to day. I didn't actually anticipate getting that much done because in my head, you know, we've been working for over a year now remotely. And I was like, 
what's going to be the difference. Like Serbia was so set on this thing. Like if we just get together and work together, we're going to get more done. Like, mm-hmm. really? Is that really? Is that possible? And before he came, I really wanted to set the expectation that in my head, I was like, there's no way we're going to be more productive in person than we already are. Like, I feel like we're already pretty damn productive. 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 <laughs> we're already pretty damn productive. I just cannot speak today. But we got so much done because in person, we like had lunch together. We brainstormed my ideas in the drive to get coffee or things like that. Or on a walk, we went for a bike ride together. Just like we were able to talk about stuff and just jam out on things. And in many ways, we did get a lot done. But then he left on Thursday. And then I got my booster shot and then went climbing Thursday night. Actually, I don't know why I went climbing after my booster shot. And then I was just really sore the next morning. And then I looked at my calendar and realized, oh, I have a personal trainer appointment. So I went <laughs> to that. And then I was just completely zonked out for like the rest of Friday and Saturday because I'd worked out twice after my booster shot. And I was just completely listless. Where am I going with this? I'm just recounting my week. Where I'm going with this is that I still feel like I didn't get enough done or do anything important hmm. because I'll tell you why. I just realized this. It's because there's still so much more important shit that I need to do that I have yet to tackle. Not that I was supposed to tackle them last week. It's just that I'm kind of living in the future a little bit of what's yet to be achieved, what's yet to be done. And Saturday went to two holiday parties. Sunday picked up my dad. And we actually had this conversation around this a little bit about the, there's a book called The Power of Now, a very famous book about living in the present. And then in addition, I've been reading this book by Byron Katie, Loving What Is, recommended to me by one of my really good friends, Pierre. What I'm trying to get at, and what I want to share is actually a little bit from this book today, because it's been quite impactful. I get myself into these ruts, into these mental ruts, right? Mm -hmm. But even hearing you talk about it, I'm like, how did I work myself out of it? How do I do it? And I feel like foundationally, we have the right skill sets of most people I know to be able to let go of things and look past things. We talked about letting go, right, before. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Like letting go, like if someone cuts you off or the cashier at the store is rude to you, like for the most part, you're just like, okay, well, something happened. Some people can't let that go. They're just like, they're after me. They're being rude to me for a reason or like they cut me off for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, they didn't. They don't know who you are. Like, <laughs> right? They have their own issues. And just this act of letting go is kind of fundamentally to loving what is is about this book. I mean, the title's Loving What Is, meaning loving what is reality. Like, what happened? The cashier was rude. The driver cut me off. It's just a reality. Mm-hmm. The book has you ask these four questions, which, I mean, this is like an entire book. There's no way we can talk about all this in like the next 40 minutes. But I just want to share some tidbits that really help me see through on things. So the first question is, is it true? You ask yourself. The process is called the work, quote unquote, the work. And the work involves inquiry, asking yourself a series of questions. And so let's try this on like our problems that we're facing, which is, I don't feel productive. Like, is it true? Yes, it sure feels that way. (laughs) Can you know for certain that it's true? That this is absolutely true? That you're not productive enough? That's the second question. And there's variations of it for that second question. If it ultimately is absolutely true, like, you know, I was abused as a child, 
then you dig deeper into like, what is it? Like, oh, like my father hit me because he didn't love me. Well, it's like, then you ask, is it true? Can you know for certain that it was true that your father never loved you, right? And the whole process is trying to find what is the story that you've been telling yourself. Hmm. The narrative, the past narrative. The narrative, exactly. And then the third question is around who would you be without this thought? Just to create some space and say like, well, what if you didn't believe in this? This then goes into a little bit of courage to be disliked where we're talking about etiology versus teleology, right? Mm -hmm. What if you didn't hold on to the past actions? Because the whole idea is teleology is you can decide something different today, right? Mm -hmm. Your past happened, we're not denying it, but you can choose to interpret it differently. You can choose to make a different decision today, right? <laughs> to not mm -hmm. be bound to your past. Otherwise, everything is fatalistic and deterministic and nothing can change, right? That's mm -hmm. like, in my opinion, etiology. And the last question is these turnaround questions. And so coming back to the whole productivity thing, it's like, I'm making this stuff up, by the way. It's like, and I'm probably butchering this, but it's like, are you being productive enough? Or so what if you're not being productive? Like, what about it? It's just a reality, right? What's the reality? I'm not being productive. Okay. What about it? Okay. What comes after that? If you realize that, all right, it's not the end of the world if I'm not productive today. Yeah. Is everybody 100% productive? Is everybody productive every single day? No. Right? Definitely not. No. Yet the world still goes on. And it just puts things into this perspective. Let me pull up like a real example because I'm just making this shit up. It kind of sounds like one of the, the stoic phrases, like a morphati, like a lover of fate. Mm -hmm. Like Regardless of what happens, you don't tie a good or bad to it. It just is. It just is. Yeah. And you just, I guess, love what is. You love what happens regardless of it being good or bad to yourself. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. It sounds like what it's saying is the way to get past this struggling to feel productive is whether or not, even if you are not, or if you were, either way, it doesn't matter. Either way, it just is. It just is. I love what you just said, because it goes back to this idea of why we started this podcast around struggles. We've always said this, like struggles will always exist, mm -hmm. right? And one of the things that she says is when you try to avoid problems or avoid struggles, you're just fighting reality or saying like, I don't want problems. I don't want struggles. That's not the reality. The reality is you're going to have struggles. <laughs> yeah. She says, it's like, you know, you want a cat to bark. A cat's not going to bark. That's not the reality. That's not the nature of a cat. It's going to meow. But we have these strong desires for what is not. And when I first heard that, I was kind of struggling with it a little bit. I was like, wait, then how do we affect change? Right? The whole reason we like strive and look like we want to hold on to these problems or struggles, let's say like systemic racism, like, you know, I want to like really be passionate about this. How do you affect mm -hmm. change if you don't hold on to these problems? And I realize by holding on to these problems, how much can you change? Right? That's a really fine line distinction here. Once I figured this out, I was like, this is so ingenious. Let's say like you annoy the shit out of me. Something that you do just annoy the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, I'm really annoyed by you, right? Is it true that you're annoying me? Yes, it's true, <laughs> right? Is it true that James is trying to annoy me? I don't know. 
Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But I can't know for certain because I can't be in your head. I actually don't know what your intentions were when I was annoyed. Is it true that I'm bothered by you? Yes. Just the fact that you were annoying and I'm annoyed, these are actually two separate things. Going back to separation of tasks, like you being annoying, that's your problem. Me being annoyed by you, that's my problem. I don't have to be annoyed by you, (laughs) right? I, in turn, like picked up your problem and put it on my back and made it my problem. But by carrying on this burden of creating a doubling down on a problem, it actually doesn't make it any better. It doesn't solve the problem. Why? It's because then how do I communicate with you? How do I treat you? That's another question she asked. How do you treat someone when you are holding on to that problem? You don't Mm. treat them very well. You don't communicate very effectively. And so to really affect change, you have to change yourself first. So I have to first let go of the problem. Be like, you know what? James being annoying, really not my problem. Mm -hmm. My problem is that I'm annoyed and I can let that go. I don't have to be annoyed. And then cleared of that, I feel like I would be a much more effective communicator. I wouldn't be antagonistic in the way that I talk to you. I don't know how it would be, but going back to, I was thinking about systemic racism, what I find sometimes is that like people are so enamored in the problem that they kind of become racist themselves because they're so antagonistic. Yeah. And with that kind of mindset of how angry you are at something, like does that solve the problem? Can you solve problems with that kind of mindset? Can you win the hearts and minds of people with that kind of mindset, right? Can you affect change with that kind of mindset? It's almost like expecting people to change when you don't change yourself. Or don't realize that you also have changes to make. Yeah, And this goes very deeply back to a lot of things about, you know, you can't love others before loving yourself. And in fact, along the same line, you can't change others. You shouldn't try to change others. You can't. There's so many stories about this. But finishing my thought, you can't change anything, not even others. You can't change the world. Yeah. Unless you change yourself. And that's like, there's a common quote around that, right? To change the world, you have to first change yourself. And I never quite grasped that until reading this book. It almost seems that the only way to change the world is to change your own perspective. Because if you think differently, mm-hmm. or if you strive to change some of your beliefs or your value systems, or like, how you go about your day, that is actually changing not just you, but how you view the world. Your reality changes as you change yourself. Yeah. I'm really glad we're talking about this. A lot of what we perceive is the stories that we tell about the world, right? What she says and what Courage to Dislike says, there's the separation of tasks. Courage to Dislike says there's your problem and there's my problems. Your problems are your problems. My problems are my problems. Only you can deal with your problems and only I can deal with my problems, right? But somehow we carry this idea that we can change other people. So it's like, hey, James, I really want to change you. Or James, you really want to change me. But it's like, has anybody ever tried to change <laughs> you and you actually did it? It's like, no. What's the reality? Reality is nobody can change us but us, right? But yet we hold on to these expectations that we're supposed to be able to change other people. That's the crazy thing. But she adds a third layer. She says, there's your problems, there are my problems, and there are God's problems. And by God, she just means however people want to interpret it as, let's say, nature, right? It's like, I can't change the weather. It just is what it is. And the problem with this line of thinking that really struggled with in the beginning is like, it makes me feel helpless. You can't do anything. Yeah, it seems hopeless. 
But then you dig deeper and you realize that any change in the world, the most effective change agents were people that focus on changing themselves. Because then that's where you have these like maxims, like lead by example, right? Mm -hmm. Because tying this back to leadership the other day, I was thinking about this, was that you can either lead as a despot. And how effective is that? Really not very effective long-term, right? By force. Mm -hmm. Or you can lead by changing the hearts and minds of people. But you change the hearts and minds of people not by trying to change them, but showing them like Mother Teresa, Mahatma Gandhi, by showing them how you changed yourself. And then people follow in your lead naturally, right? And then the world changes. And it's like this crazy idea, like we think we should be fighting for things, but the more you try to fight for something, the less effective it is. It's almost like you got to fight without fighting. It's, oh, ooh, wow, we're going back to Bruce Lee from last week. <laughs> be like water. It's like you have to channel instead of fighting. Oh my gosh, wow. Instead of like fighting things, you have to just channel, redirect energy. Yeah. I don't know. We're, we're like going way sideways in this conversation. <laughs> we can talk more about it once you listen to the book next week or the week after. I, I would really love to talk more about this book. I've always felt like I've been able to practice a lot of things this book says in terms of letting things go. But obviously, when it comes to very personal things, like people around you, people close to you, it's very hard to let things go. Mm -hmm. And this book just gave me some strategies on how to practice what I practice, like putting a word to it, putting a process to it for me to do the work, as she calls it, do the inquiry and ask myself all the things that bug me about the people close to me. Isn't that kind of weird how the closer you are to someone, the easier it is to not like offend them, but the easier it is to be angry at them. I realized for this book, you know why? It's because we make it more personal. Ah. We make their problem more personal. Like it's our problem. Yeah, because we think that it's directly to us. Okay. When it's not. A lot of times it's not. Let's talk about common relationship thing. And how it would apply with this kind of loving what is inquiry work. With Mink sometimes, or even with myself, with her, she feels like I don't listen to her. And sometimes I don't feel like she doesn't listen to me, right? Sometimes I feel like she's not being present. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm just like, is she doing this on purpose? You know, why not listening to me? Yeah. Why not taking my advice? <laughs> and then I'll be like, is it true? Yes, it's true. Yes, of course it's true. She's not taking my advice. She's not listening to me. Well, do you know for certain that's true? 100% certain. <laughs> no, there's no way, right? Let's reverse that a little bit. Do I listen to her 100% of the time? No, right? But yet, I expect her to listen to me 100% of the time, mm -hmm. right? That's the absurdity of it. And then how would I feel if I didn't hold on to this belief that she doesn't listen to me? I'd feel great. And then the turnarounds are, do I listen to myself 100% of the time? Nope. Definitely not. Do I listen to other people 100% of the time? Definitely not, right? There's all these turnarounds that you work through. But then it helps me really see through in things. It's like, oh, well, you know what? I've been holding on to this really unrealistic expectation for this person when that's just not the case. That's not the reality. What is the reality? And this is what loving what is is. The reality is people don't listen to you 100% of the time. <laughs> Yet, when we fight that reality, that's when we get worked up. That's when like, we go on these spirals, right? When we're trying to fight the reality. And these four questions, boom, just like helps me unleash that. It's like, no, you know what? Mink didn't listen to me. That's fine. 
She's not supposed to listen to me all the time. Does the book talk about how you apply this to yourself? There's chapters on everything. Applying to yourself, applying to, you know, Elise is ignoring me. My father was horrible. These are the different chapters. Mm. Stanley didn't have to die. I need my family's approval. My son and daughter-in-law are being wrecked. There's just so many stories in here that they go through. And it's just so fun listening to them. It's entertaining to listen to, especially the audiobook version, because you hear the real dialogue and people laughing. So what you just said about like expecting someone to listen and expecting yourself to listen, Mm -hmm. it's kind of made me realize that maybe the reason why people like what depression is a start of is like expecting yourself to be somewhere and never getting there. And it feels that as this progresses and as you get further away from your expectation, it creates like a cycle where it's just harder and harder to dig out of this kind of hole that you're digging. It is. Let me ask you this. As I was listening to this yesterday, I actually asked myself these questions. What do you expect yourself to be? I feel like that's the big thing is I don't know. And I've been trying to write like a vision for myself yeah. like in the mornings just to try to get through the day and be intentional about what I'm going to do. And the three yeah. things that I've like said is, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, a writer, and an athlete. And I don't know why, but I do all three of those things every single day where I work a little bit on trying to create some business. I write every single day and I do some form of exercise every single day. But yeah, I don't know where this empty dissatisfaction comes from. The more that I think about it, it's because I have this underlying belief that I'm expecting to be something else, expecting Mm -hmm. myself to be, I don't know. I actually have no idea. I, I think maybe I'm supposed to be like, married and with kids and already a billionaire and already like very successful. And maybe those are the underlying things that make it so hard for me to believe that I'm going towards a direction that I'm choosing. And so I think I have to do a lot of work on what I expect myself to have become, why I think like that, and to try to, I guess, let go, right? Let go of that expectation of who I thought I should be, more accepting and respect where I am now and understand that I'm making slow changes. I think there's two things here. As I'm, It's much easier for me to listen to you talk about it than for me to diagnose it for myself. But listening to you talk about it, and I think this is why you're driving yourself mad, is that you have these goals and aspirations, which is not a problem. That's why we do the VTO. We should set goals and aspirations and targets, right? That's why people have vision boards and whatnots. That's not the problem. To me, it sounds like the problem is you are miserable because you want to be living in that future today, Hmm. but you're not there today. So you're not living in the present, you're living in the future. And in The Power of Now, it talks a lot about this. People can either live in the past, in the present, or the future. And a lot of people who are miserable live in either the past or the future, right? They can't live in the now. You having those dreams and aspirations, not a problem. That is what we're supposed to be having. But you trying to live in the future by comparing it to today is causing you a lot of distress. Because you're just like, I'm not there yet. I want to be there right now. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And same with me. Looking back on me, I'm just like, hey, I want to be a billionaire. I want to have sold my first company, but I'm not there yet. I have to still struggle today. I have to still figure this shit out. I just have to build this business. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I want to live in the future. I want to live in the future. That seems so awesome. But you're not facing reality. 
<laughs> the reality is like, you got to focus on today. Yeah. And today ain't that bad. And Mar has a story that we're telling compared to that amazing future where we don't have to do any work to get there. <laughs> we already skipped all the hard work and already there. That future seems amazing. Having to do the work to get there. God, it's such garbage. <laughs> yeah. I want to be able to love each day. I want to be able to love the challenges that I face and to understand that where I am now, maybe it is like I was lost and confused and going around in circles, but it all led me here. And yeah, you're totally right. I, I think I'm just expecting to be in a future where I'm not even sure what that future is supposed to be. It's not very clear. Yeah. And I think that even is a part of it is that I know that I have to keep moving and take actions and take steps every single day, small steps every day to get to where I want to be. And I think one, like you said, I'm trying to imagine I want to be where the future is now, right? I want to be this mm -hmm. future person now. I don't want to deal with these problems. But also at the same time, maybe the reason why it feels unproductive is because where I want to be is not clear. Hmm. And because I can't, for some reason, I can't measure those incremental improvements. Progress. Yeah, the progress. I can't tell myself, oh, like, yeah, my vision is I want to be an entrepreneur. What the fuck does that even mean? Yeah. What does that even look like? Yeah. And so I think for someone who's, I think I'm realizing like each of these goals have to be very, very specific. Well, Maybe not like entirely too specific that it can grow over time, it can change over time, but each day it should be like, oh, okay, yesterday I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And today I'm thinking, what does that mean? Maybe it's more about, I don't know, some specific niche that I really like. And I'm like, I want to be an entrepreneur in this. And then when you go into that, I want to be an entrepreneur in that industry doing this other thing. And you can kind of grow from that. And then it feels measurable. It feels like you can see some progress and it feels more clear so that you know that you're heading in the right way. And the reason why I feel empty is because I don't see that at all. It's almost like the paradox of choice. I still haven't made a decision yet. And I have this like umbrella of entrepreneur or writer or athlete. And that's like everything, right? Maybe that's what it is. That's why you have to have goals that are very specific. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Because James, I think part of it too is, what is your reality? I think you're not at peace with what your reality is. The reality right now is you're exploring writing. You have been exploring writing. You have been exploring coding. You've been exploring voice acting. We're doing this podcast. Add on that, now you're consulting for Clever <laughs> <laughs> and Ops. And it's just like, that's your reality. But we try to live elsewhere. That's not our reality but if you yeah. take a step back and look at reality, what is your reality? Reality is that you're doing all these things. You're doing all this exploration. Were you ever lost? What does it mean to be lost? You make it sound like it's a bad thing. What if it's a good thing, right? Yeah. And who knows? Again, stories that we tell ourselves. And at the end of the day, it's you're reminding me like we are exactly where we're supposed to be today, here, now. You know why? Because you can't be anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're either here or you're just not on this earth. So <laughs> you can't be where you're not. <laughs> oh, man. So what you're just talking about reminded me of something that I wrote yesterday about this idea of being lost. And if our life is a journey, and if being on a journey or if exploring things is going to places where you've never been before, 
then in in a sense, by definition, that is kind of being in a new place, which is yep. sort of being lost. But you went there on purpose. Mm-hmm. If you went there on purpose, is it being lost? If you went to explore and you wanted to go to a new place and you just made a wrong turn somewhere or you're in a new region or in a new city or... Are you really lost? Is that being lost or is that called exploration? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Maybe it's just a reframing of your situation. Are you lost? Are you just exploring? I'm just exploring. Yeah, you're just exploring. It's funny. That's the first thing that I write in my website. It's like, I'm an explorer. <laughs> I explore. I'm pretty sure like Magellan or Columbus, every day they woke up, they're just like, fuck, I'm lost. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, pretty sure they weren't. Lo- I mean, they might have been, but I'm pretty sure that's not what they were thinking. They're like, oh, we're just exploring. <laughs> yeah. Not like, damn it, I'm lost. I mean, they didn't want to be lost. They would just stay at home. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it is just total reframing. It's just reframing. Yeah. It's the same shit. That's so interesting. I got to reframe that too. It's like, am I lost right now with where our business should be or am I exploring? They're definitely exploring from an outside point of view. Same to you. How do we reframe that internally? I think that's the big question. That is the difficult part. I think it's an everyday exercise of reminding yourself. I think our subconscious just automatically goes to that. We are a negative species. We've evolved to be afraid, right? To always be on the lookout for dangers. But that's not our reality anymore. We shouldn't be worried about like fucking mountain lion. I mean, maybe in some places, but it's just like not a natural thing. Yeah. And yet that's what we look for. And I think by default, when we let our minds wander, we kind of default to this worrying, being scared, being afraid. And I think it's an everyday reminder and everyday exercise because anxiety and excitement, they're supposedly the same types of like your body feels the same thing. It's just what you tell yourself in your head. And so maybe the exercise is that Whenever you're feeling like this, it's just a sign that, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm subconsciously thinking about. But I need to remind myself that, all right, there are other things that I want to worry about. There are bigger things, these goals, my visions. And when I'm feeling anxiety or nervousness around not being there, you could almost say, hey, I'm I'm feeling excited about these things because this is where I'm heading towards. And I'm feeling this way because I want to be doing more of it. And so I can do this tomorrow. I'm going to try that this week. Speaking of expectations too, like I think we have this unrealistic expectation that we shouldn't be here. Like we shouldn't be here talking about our worries. We shouldn't be worrying in the first place. But it's like, what is the reality? The reality is people worry. Yeah. Reality is we're going to feel lost once in a while. And that's just the reality. Again, I think when we try to fight reality, like I shouldn't be lost, it doesn't help you (laughs) at all. Yeah. And I think that's what I love about this book. It just reminds me to ask myself these questions. Like, what is the reality? The reality is I feel lost this morning. Okay, that's fine. I think that's why, now I think about this, why when I journal sometimes these negative thoughts and feelings, like I just, I can literally just write down exactly what I'm feeling verbatim word for word. Oh my gosh, maybe that's like how... I've been dealing or recognizing this reality. Okay, I just put it down on paper. This is how I feel. This is the reality. And then after I do that, I'm, you know, I catch myself being able to move on really quickly because I faced the reality versus saying I shouldn't be like this. Well, you were. So 
move on. <laughs> yeah. Versus whole day thinking, I should not be like this. I should not be like this. I should not be like this. And just driving yourself mad. Interesting. And that's why like writing is such a good tool to actually release some of the things that you're thinking hmm. and to face reality in a way that it doesn't feel like complaining in a way. Whenever I've talked to people about, if I've talked to anyone about like depression or worrying or anxiety, often to me, it felt like I was complaining a lot. But maybe another way to really think about it is that you're just facing reality of what it is now. And then like what Adler says is, after you face and accept where you are now, the thing to do next is just what now? What's next? What is the next step? Yeah. You're just sharing a piece of your reality. Yeah. Maybe that's why therapy is so helpful. Huh. I realize too why like when you share it with some people who are not ready to face their realities, why they don't want to talk to you. They're just like, I don't yeah. want to deal with my reality right now. Versus when you talked to me about it, I was like, I'm ready to deal with my reality of anxiety and depression. Like, let's talk about it. Let's get it out there. Not because I want to promote it. We're just facing our realities. And I think, again, coming back to this book, Loving What Is, I just love the title. It's like the more you can face what is, the more you're at peace because you're not trying to fight reality. You're not trying to tell a cat to bark. Yeah, I'm going to definitely have to listen to the book this week. Yeah, take some notes. I'll keep on listening to it and we'll come back to it. This is great. Apologies ahead of time to any listeners for another unstructured conversation this week. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. My name is James Park. I'm Sean Lee, and we will see you next week. <laughs>